Hello, 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 and welcome to another exciting episode of a podcast with Jordan Haas, a game show's, I suppose, special. I don't know if you heard today's news, but Ryan Seacrest is the new host of Wheel of Fortune. Guess you'll have to wait a whole year for that to happen, because Pat Sajak still has to finish up a year. But that's not to say that we can't have a special edition of the podcast where we have a trip down memory lane and learn about everyone's favorite game show host. So strap yourselves in and let's start from the beginning, shall we? First, let's talk about the background history of Ryan Seacrest. You know, you could easily just start with the American Idol thing, but let's start with his career. He was born in Atlanta in 1974. His father was a military guy, a lieutenant in the army. And he went to school to for journalism at the University of Georgia in 1992. It was there he got his taste of the radio life and had a local radio station in Athens, Georgia. But at age 19, he decided to pack it all up and moved to Los Angeles to start a career in broadcasting. And that would actually end up paying off exactly one year later in 1993 when he becomes a host and have his first taste of game show hosting on ESPN with a little show called Radical Outdoor Challenge. Accommodations for Radical Outdoor Challenge provided by Mountaintop Inn and Resort. Call 1-800-NIGHT-NIGHT for details. Yes, the Radical Outdoor Challenge. Many people don't recognize that because that was one of the ESPN pseudo shows that would actually be the precursor to the X Games. A lot of the challenges would be taking place, obviously, outdoor and be kind of pseudo extreme sports such as dirt bike racing to paintballing to the exciting world of ropes course. However, there's not even that many episodes available publicly on the internet. And if you do search Radical Outdoor Challenge, the best you can find is, of course, an episode of Cheap Sheets with the Sklar Brothers, which is okay. Now, of course, Ryan Seacrest has always had a knack for ha- ha- like hosting game shows. He hosted uh, his talent show in high school. He kind of subbed in for DJing in Georgia. So he had the knack for hosting. That wasn't his voice, by the way, in the promo package. That was just so we can get the cool, edgy theme song. <clears throat> However, if you actually try and find any clips of it, you will say, wow, that was definitely the 90s. And you'd be right. But unfortunately, that show didn't really catch on as much as people would suspect. But hey, it's all okay. Even though it only lasted very low and most people don't remember the names of 
Jerry Bernardo and Sharon Swainson, there was actually other shows that he got to host afterwards, including, you guessed it, a little game show in the 90s, and it would be called Gladiators 2000. same incredible games that they've seen on American Gladiators. Welcome to Gladiators 2000. I know what you're saying. Was Gladiators 2000 good? Well, short story is not really. Uh, essentially, this was at the later end of American Gladiators' career. If you've seen the American Gladiators documentary in 30 for 30, you kind of know right around the mid-90s, American Gladiators kind of loses its luster. But in one last attempt to hoorah, a syndicated kids' version of American Gladiators showed up that wasn't like the kids beating up American Gladiators, but instead kids going through some of the same challenges that were American Gladiators, such as the Pyramid, but this time with food, and essentially building up bones. There was no Powerball. There was, however, the Assault Course, but in a more mellow version of the game. Essentially, if you wanted a cozier version, this was it for you. But of course, around the same time in the mid-90s, Nickelodeon Guts would show up, and that would get all of the attention as far as sports culture for children. But for Ryan Seacrest, this was essentially one of the big game shows. He got to host a version of American Gladiators, and he got to meet Turbo! Hell yeah! But let's just say that his hosting wasn't really quite Seacrest yet, especially when it came time to The Eliminator. The Eliminator starts with a climb up the ladder. Next, a giant slide to a row of hanging rings and our first question board. To add 25 points to your score, choose the correct answer by selecting one of our treacherous rolling logs. Next, a razor-sharp high-speed turn and a jump down takes you to the question room for our second question. A wrong answer here means a locked door and lost time. But get it right, earn 25 points, and move on to quickly tag your partner. Contender number two has to climb over a row of hurdles on their way to question number three. Choosing an answer here means climbing the correct rope over our glass wall and then racing up the moving treadmill. It'll take skill and balance to get to the top where the final question board awaits our contender. Answer this question by picking one of the two swinging ropes and it's hang on time for a ride through the barrier to the finish line. The team with the fastest time will receive a bonus of 50 points, which should determine who wins today's super cool prize package. So now... So... Yeah. It kind of was a bit of that Seacrest energy that we all know and love, but Gladiators 2000 was more of like a essentially educational television. The Gladiators would be teaching kids about dieting, exercising, how the human body works, and then get tested in the Eliminator course 
to try win a prize package that is pretty much just like a basketball court and some BMX bikes. But hey, 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 it's all okay. Except for that really creepy introduction sequence. It was like the Pledge of Allegiance that, it's my life, it knows it. No. Now, of course, this was the mid 90s, 1995, and this was in syndication, but only ran not that many episodes. Because essentially syndicated and kids don't really watch Gladiators 2000. I mean, it wasn't the time of Saturday morning cartoons. You're looking at when the rise of Tiny Toon Adventures, Batman Animated Series, Fox Kids would be all over the place, and the rise of, like, Freakazoid would be showing up anytime soon. So we're in the mid-90s. It's cool and extreme. But for most people, when they think of a 90s sports-based game show, they don't think Gladiators 2000. They think Nickelodeon Guts with Mike O'Malley and the Agro Crag. Not... The Eliminator, of course. And probably for good measure. But, of course, on that one, he was kind of more of a co-host. He was kind of playing second fiddle to the Gladiators. But, if you like Nickelodeon, Wooly Frazier, the brain genius behind the wonderful Wild and Crazy Kids, would have a show of his own on the Family Channel. Yes, that family channel, Pat Robertson's family channel, with a little show called Wild Animal Games. go ape competing in our chip challenge and it's tossed through the tire to win in our wild waterfall prize pool and now a man raised by a flock of wild geese here's our host ryan seacrest hey everybody how you doing welcome to wild animal games hey pop down here bud pop down there Say hi to our good buddy. This is Jethro. Say hi to Jethro. Say hi to Jethro, guys. Hi, Jethro. How you doing? Jethro's going to have fun with us today, right? Right? <laughs> Let's meet the man behind the ape, his trainer, Mr. Mike Boxer. Come on up. And yep. It's that Ryan Seacrest hosting a show about animals. What could possibly go wrong? Well, if you ever see the show, pretty much everything. You know, the saying goes, you never work with kids or animals in Hollywood. Ryan Seacrest in the 90s said, watch me, and hosted a kids game show based around animals. Essentially, like a, like a game show Based on the uh, animal exhibit at Universal Studios, uh, kids would show up with their families, and most times it's school kids in Southern California, would show up and they would learn about animals. And then would go into an amazing little challenge themed around it, mostly a little messy where they have to pop balloons or they have to uh, pie people in the face leading to the winners of the day's episode to do the chip challenge where they would basically have to throw a basketball into a hoop or a 
balling through a tire. Where the last one standing would win the show and go on to try and win a Sega Genesis. Because this was the mid-90s and Sonic the Hedgehog is the cool dude with attitude. To win it, they have to get pencils and pop balloons and basically that's about it. Grab pencils from the jacuzzi tub, go up to the water, pop a balloon, and rinse repeat with a new pencil and pop another balloon until you do enough in the time limit. Otherwise, you don't win the Sega Genesis. But sometimes the constellation price is a Game Boy, so it's not really that bad. Believe it or not, Ryan Seacrest hosted a not that terrible game show, but in the world of animal-themed kids game shows, it kind of gets stuck in the void when you think of Animal Planet Zoo Venture hosted by J.D. Roth to the exciting world of, I don't know, Zumafu in the late 90s. But Ryan Seacrest gave it his best shot. And also, shout-outs to Randy West. I heard ya. <clears throat> so, it's really a surprise that this would start his career as a game show host. Or so you seem. See, the big twist of all of this was he didn't try to be an actor. Yes, everyone's favorite radio DJ and game show host would then have a little bit of a spit in the exciting world of syndicated television shows on a little show called Reality Check. Jack age 19, 626 Elm Street, Inventor Project Reality Check. Disappeared June 8th. New residents, Samantha Bonner, Nicholas Bonner. Computer reactivated September 17th. Boy, am I glad you guys found me. I'm gonna need your help. is really known about reality check because essentially it's quote-unquote lost media <clears throat> now reality check it really is weird to its name because it's not really a sitcom but not really a comedy or not really a drama essentially ryan seacrest plays a man in a computer named jack crack who creates software and then it's up to the bonner kids of samantha nicholas to try and free him from the computer by essentially going on field trips to learn about stuff. It's educational programming. 
And then it, they try to get him out, but then no use, so he gets trapped. Kind of like 101 day Good Deeds for Eddie McDowd, crossed with, essentially fetch with Rough Rufferman, but all scripted and not that educational if you really think about it. Like, hey, let's learn Earth Day. Let's learn about baseball. Then let's learn about the 1960s. Of course, the show barely scratched the surface on stuff, and that would end Ryan Seacrest's career as we know it. Or so we think. He would end up at KYSR from 1995 to 2003, but not before trying out a few more ventures. You see, after his acting career sort of didn't work out, he would end up hosting The New Edge. And then he would host CNET Central, which was this uh, original TV show kind of in San Francisco before podcasts were really a thing, talking about the exciting world of computers. So there could be footage out there somewhere of Ryan Seacrest talking about the Internet. Hi, I'm Ryan Seacrest and welcome to the new edge from the studios of CNET, the computer network. When Universal Studios Hollywood designed a ride based on Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park, they had a tough act to follow. I mean, after all, the movie actually takes place in a theme park. Well, they overcame that with these robots that are so advanced, even Spielberg was amazed. As early as 1990, long before his film was finished, Steven Spielberg was supervising the creation of Jurassic Park The Ride. Yes. Ryan Seacrest would host not one but two CNET shows, The New Edge, and of course, CNET Central. The New Edge was essentially on USA Network, well, oh no, or was it Sci-Fi Channel? One is the other one's USA, one is Sci-Fi Channel, and it was a technology magazine show in 1996, when technology would be booming and CNET would be on the rise and internet culture would grow. This would be also my first foray into knowing about Ryan Seacrest because if you think about it, technology culture on television really wasn't there yet, especially in the 90s. People who are in the computer communities love talking about the Computer Chronicles, for instance, but here was a show called the new edge that actually tried to discuss what is going on. Now, the good news is that this would kind of be a precursor to what would have become of ZDTV because of Ziff Davis Media taking some of that CNET stuff and bringing it into Tech TV. And of course, Tech TV, which you know of the screensavers and Call for Help, and a little show called X Play, which would then end up being merged into what would be G4 and the G4 Tech TV. And of course, when the screensavers become the tack of the show, and the rest is history. It's a good time to actually point out that somewhere in the 2000s, host of Attack of the Show, Sarah Underwood, used to date Ryan Seacrest. Why am I giving you this piece of information? Because I don't think there'll be any other point in this podcast to talk about that weird fact that I've always had. When can I bring up G4 in something, damn it? And I'll be here with the new Edge. The new Edge was also one of the very first shows that I watched on cable and got me really interested in computer technology. So I do owe a little bit of credibility to Ryan Seacrest to go from a man in a computer acting to a guy talking about computers and technology. 
but his game show career would eventually jump back exactly one year later in 1997 when his computer knowledge on CNET Central and the New Edge would give him an advantage when he needs to make a click. also changed the outfits. He would film this in Washington State, and the outfits would be sponsored by Old Navy. That's right, the Old Navy in the 90s, right before the Gap craze. This would be Merv Griffin's, one of his last game shows he ever created before his untimely death in the 2000s. His last being, of course, Merv Griffin's Crosswords. But he was the one that selected Ryan Seacrest personally to host this show. It was a team game show where they were played in pairs. They would basically play a press your luck randomizer that would send them to either a website, the word finder, or some sort of modem to give these kind of puzzles and who am I's and emails and text message slang to try and figure out people, places, and things to win money. The grand prize of the show was a laptop computer worth roughly $2,000 to realize it's a gateway, in which case it'll probably break within a year. But this would be Ryan Seacrest's breakout game show. It would last two seasons and sort of get his name out there in the world of game shows. Now, unfortunately, it was still a syndicated game show aimed at teens, and this was the 90s, when they were all busy with MTV. So, most of the time when you'd be seeing Click, you would see it paired up with Peer Pressure, a really awkward game show from the people who brought you Right Decisions Right Now, an anti-smoking campaign, to have people run around a game board with dilemmas. But this was a trivia show, and it didn't last much long. After two seasons, it would end up just clocking out. And this, my friends, is actually when the show would kind of fall flat. That's right, folks. Right about here, after the end of Click, would be the somewhat downside of Seacrest. Normally, when we think of Seacrest, 
We kind of think he was always on television, but right after Click in 1997, in those two seasons, he would end up not really doing much other than side hustles and side projects. Yes, he would have his uh, radio show on, on uh, KISS FM, but, well, not KISS FM, it would be uh, KYSR, uh, but he would just end up having the afternoon shows for a little bit, and that was all. He wouldn't have really much of a show to begin with. That's right. We would have to wait just a little bit of time, but let's have a little bit of fun. He did have a few breakout hits. He was a he was basically playing the role of game show host in the years before American Idol. So, allow me to sort of have some fun little bits here and hope you enjoy. That's right. He was the host in the Hey Arnold episode Fighting Families, where Arnold would learn about family in his complex. He would also end up on NBC hosting the Saturday Night Movie doing interstitials. That was Wayne Knight, a.k.a. Newman from Seinfeld. He just received a large bundle of cash. Now, that little seaside rendezvous he had was supposed to be in San Jose, Costa Rica. The only problem is that San Jose, Costa Rica is like 150 miles from the coast. Yet clearly, Wayne is at a beachside restaurant. Take another look. That's up to your guy on the boat. Seven o'clock. Yep, he also did that. And then he had a guest spot in Beverly Hills 90210. First question. Matt, you can put your headphones on there. Kelly, aside from the bedroom, what's your fiance's favorite place to make whoopee? In Matt's law office. <laughs> okay. Yep, that's right. He hosted a bootleg newlywed game on Beverly Hills 90210. And the one that I remember the most, him having a special uh, learning about Disneyland 2000. No, I got to get the lowdown on Youngstown. Hey, that rhymes. <laughs> How'd you guys meet? It just kind of, it was a natural happening. We didn't, when we got together, we weren't even really trying to be a group. We started writing and producing. The magic and, happened. Yeah, it just so happened while we were demoing the three songs that we did, uh, we got a call from Hollywood Records saying that they had a deal for us. So it was kind of like, uh, okay guys, I guess we're a group now. You listen to the lyrics of the song, great lyrics, who actually comes up with the ideas? Who writes the songs? Actually, we all do. How we write, like a lot of times, I'll have a first verse, but no chorus. DC will come in with the chorus, he'll come in with the with the second verse, or, you know, like a bridge. Can it take a long time? It can take days, or... Angel was done in the studio. We didn't even actually... We had no clue what we were writing. We had a melody. Yeah. And we were kind of pressed for time, so we just... We had a date that, that night. We gotta write yeah. something quick. Finish it up. She's yeah. here. The track was finished, and we had to get a song done. Life is good. And so is breakfast. So you guys are all beautiful people. You're in one of these bands, but you don't have to die, huh? The ladies still love you. Well, well I think we, 
Tonight on Ultimate Revenge, a guy who thinks he can levitate. I can fly. You want to see? Um, Three hotties from Perfect Ten Magazine, a wild two-story high fall, a 60-foot falling tree, an early morning lush, hey. a sacrificial motorhome, a maniac with a chainsaw, and one sexy sheep. <laughs> All needed for a couple of gags we call... I can fly. No. And... Who's the guy with the chainsaw? Ultimate Revenge. Ultimate Revenge. Hey there, I'm your host, Ryan Seacrest. Coming up a little bit later, surf's up, surf for dudes. Grab your board and catch a wave as we invite four champion professional surfers to pose with three hotties from Perfect Ten Magazine for a little surfing calendar. Then watch what happens as their world comes crashing down around them. That's right, we're going to completely destroy their rented RV. See, their manager, Ren, continuously picks up after these guys, and she's fed up. Now, that's later in the show. That's right, bros. When I think of the most manliest prank show ever, I think Ultimate Revenge on the new TNN. That's right, the new TNN. This ain't the Country Western Channel. This has WWE. Woo-woo. Well, that's the name of the game. Basically, this was the time when Rob Van Dam would end up on WWE and would participate in some of those hilarious pranks on Ultimate Revenge. Of course, this was B. Ryan Seacrest filming it around the summer 2001. And this would be a kind of a guy's prank show where they'd be playing revenge on people for sort of either pranking them back or sort of this sort of um, prank the prankster situation here. They would kind of end up being what would be the prank panel on ABC in today's world, but without Eric Andre. It would be, it's basically a Woody Frazier production. That's right, the same Woody Frazier behind Wild and Crazy Kids. And that same Woody Frazier who would also end up working with Mark Summers on this show in a couple of the pranks. But this would end up kind of like every single Seacrest production only last a couple seasons. But that's okay because during this entire presentation, he ended up getting the call right near the end of his radio contract that would change his life forever. And you know what time it is. Seacrest in. Hi, I'm Ryan Seacrest. And I'm Brian Dunkelman. And this is the Kodak Theater in Hollywood, home of the Academy Awards and possibly the most televised theater in the world. 
three months from now live on this very stage and as yet unknown talent will be launched into superstardom we don't know who that is yet right now they could be parking cars or even waiting on tables who knows what we do know is by the end of the summer that person's life will change forever because you at home decide who will become the next american idol Welcome to American Idol, the show that's on a mission to discover the next superstar. This show was created in the UK, and it is hoped that the eventual US winner will be as successful as the British pop idol, who went on to make over a million dollars and have two number one hit records within three months of his victory. That, of course, never happened, as American Idol would get canceled after its first season. Never to hear from Ryan Seacrest again, this would be the end of his career. Oh, just kidding. As we all know, American Idol would end up being an overnight sensation on Fox, as this would end up being the big version of Pop Idol. See, before we talk American Idol, let's take a little segue and talk about Pop Idol. Pop Idol existed on ITV in the 2000s. In its early form, there was Pop Stars, which would end up being a show that would be on the WB and would form a girl group to what would be essentially Pop Idol here, which would be a spin-off show that kind of overtook Pop Stars Lunch. Essentially, Pop Idol was American Idol, but in the UK. But the thing was that they already had a host in the name of Ant and Deck. See, Ant and Deck were a pair who were kind of a chummy group who was on a teen drama show, would end up having a rap song called Let's Get Ready to Rumble, and then end up becoming television host for SMTV, a Saturday morning show, as long as they ended up getting a music show afterwards as well. Well, because they had a kid show and a music countdown show, at the same time in the late 90s, they would end up becoming the hosts of Pop Idol, which was this sort of more aggressive version of the pop star search. It had, of course, Simon Cowell, who was a thin unknown here, much like how Gordon Ramsay was a thin unknown before Hell's Kitchen. Uh, Simon Cowell would be this no-nonsense judge that everyone would find very mean because he would say all this offensive stuff about how people were terrible. But because this was Pop Idol, we don't really have some of these musicians and singers from the UK, so we're gonna try and do our own. We're gonna keep Simon Cowell because his aggressive behavior for talent, because at the time he was doing Sinoco uh, records, would make him a perfect antagonist for the show. But in its place would be Randy Jackson and Paula Abdul. But we need to find our ant and deck. 
There's no ant in deck here, although they were asked at one point, but they rightfully declined because of this weird game show coming soon called I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of There in the UK. That's right. Everything's connected to some weird game show bullshit because ITV had Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and Pop Idol Fox wanted a big hit, and they took this from the ITV people. They took the pop idol, and they made American Idol. No one wanted it. That's right. Apparently, Fox won the rights because of a Coca-Cola promotion to back up the idea because, hey, it's a summer filler series. No one's going to watch this. Ryan Seacrest was a local radio guy here. Brian Dunkelman would be a comedian who would also do some sort of on occasion music stuff here in Los Angeles as well. So if you're doing a radio show, you would end up having those too. There would be a fourth judge, Stryker, who was also a disc jockey here, but he would end up bowing out right in the beginning of the audition phase. So we have Seacrest and Dunkelman, the American ant and deck, at least kind of. I mean, you have a like a kind of blonde haired bleached guy and you have a dark haired guy and one's a little taller with a big chin. They're both very funny and silly and goofy that they would make a perfect double act when it comes to this show. And if you watch season one of American Idol, you would kind of think so because they were kind of bouncing off each other telling jokes at each other's expense and it would be the first iteration of ryan seacrest being the big superstar hosted we would eventually know this would end up having a, ho a winner by the name of kelly clarkson who no one ever remembers ever again, has never went on to make multiple platinum records and Grammy awards and all sorts of celebrity status in her own right, being on The Voice, having her own talk show, none of that ever happens. It's all one of those, uh, what do they call it, Mandela effects? That's what it was, it's a Mandela effect. But yes, season one of American Idol was an overnight sensation. This was the biggest show of the summer in a world of reality television and everybody trying their hand at a big show. Rather it was Survivor, Big Brother, The Mole, The Bachelor. This American Idol would be the show that catapults Ryan Seacrest into superstardom, just as much as Kelly Clarkson, just as much as Randy Jackson, Paul Abdul, and Simon Cowell. It would be this big hit. So, sorry, Justin Guarini. There would be a movie from Justin to Kelly. Remember that movie? No? Okay. Well, that's also adequate. But Brian Dunkelman would bow out of America No come season two because he did not like the idea of how we are handling these kids. Because at the time, a lot of these were very, very young, impressionable teenagers and 18 year olds, 19 year olds who would basically not really know how Hollywood works. And they're basically somewhat being exploited according to Dunkelman and kind of were. So essentially Dunkelman bowed out before season two would show up. But do we get a new host? What the hell do we do? There's no Dunkelman. Well, you already know what would happen. That's right. It would just end up being the Ryan Seacrest solo project and Ryan Seacrest would end up hosting the show. He would end up 
it would end up creating what everyone calls Seacresting. And I will tell you more about it right after this. Jordan Haas. You might know me from this one episode of a podcast with Jordan Haas. Did you know I have a podcast about game shows called Game Shows, I suppose? Why, it's available at jordanhaas.com slash podcast and also on Spotify, like the Citrus used to exist, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, most likely not, feel free to check it out over at patreon.com slash jordanhaas where you would get to support me by throwing money my way. As this show has no ads, this is the only way for me to kind of just give a heads up in terms of if you want to support the show. Although, I also suggest maybe just sharing it with your friends or commenting and leaving reviews on iTunes and wherever so that way we get the word out that we do this. Of course, I don't really have time most of the time to do these podcasts, so this is a special event in honor of Brian Seacrest, the new host of Wheel of Fortune. And of course, we're now at the midpoint where we're talking American Idol, which is great, fantastic stuff. So again, patreon.com slash Jordan Haas. If you want to see game shows, I suppose, jordanhaas.com slash podcast. And of course, you can follow me on social media at Jordan Haas. And now, let's go back to the show. It would be here that Ryan Seacrest would finally get his claim to fame, much like Jeff Probst, much like Chris Harrison, much like Julie Chen, the host of a very prolific game show in the form of American Idol. And because he would end up being this big music show, he would end up hosting the Radio Music Awards in 2003. And then one year later, would end up having a bunch of shows just start climbing into his charts. That's right, folks. We're going to have a little bit of a segue area. So, as Ryan Seacrest would end up hosting American Idol, this would be the start where people would start debuting the trend known as metrosexuality in the world of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and whatever the hell you consider most of the stuff that Ryan Seacrest did. Because metrosexuality... 2002 would be the big year for Idol. In 2003, American Juniors, the kids edition of American Idol would last one season, but that's all right. He would end up having a 4th of July special, America's Party Live from Las Vegas, also in 2003. Because of the success of Idol, he would end up having Larry King Live, and he would end up hosting one of the first New Year's Eve counter-programs in the form of New Year's Eve Live from Times Square with Ryan Seacrest. This was to counter what would eventually happen with Dick Clark. So, as his claim to fame rises and people would start going, whoa, holy cow, this is Ryan Seacrest, he would end up having his own syndicated radio show in the form of on air with Ryan Seacrest. It would last in 2004 and then eventually dip because he would have a TV show. That's right. In addition to the world of game shows, and this is why it is here on this strand and not the game shows I suppose stand, 
he was also a very prolific talk show host, as he was the host of On Air with Ryan Seacrest on Fox as a sort of cool talk show that barely any people talk about these days. But I remember trying to break new ground in the world of daytime talk shows. to celebrate the release of the new CD, Demita Joe. Today, friends, not one, but two live performances. Your questions answered, plus we have a big surprise for Janet. We're gonna reveal it live on air. Now, today I'm here as a fan just like you guys. I gotta play host and fan. We shut down the street, we flooded the on-air courtyard, and the countdown is over. Janet Jackson has arrived. It is here that the Seacrest effect would take in, as of course he would host On Air with Ryan Seacrest, but he also ended up having American Idol duties, and they would start doing two seasons a year for American Idol, because of course they would, it's a big success. Now, as you had American Idol, he would end up doing Larry King Live for guest appearances. He would end up having guest spots on Punked and Mind of Mencia and Robot Chicken. But in 2004, he would become a daytime per personality on Kiss FM. In addition to his on-air with Ryan Seacrest duties for iHeartRadio. So he would do two jobs. He's a double radio host, as far as we know. But in addition to his KISS FM show, it would end up becoming the most iconic radio show on the most iconic American, like, TV show. As he would end up filling in for Casey Kasem as the new host of American Top 40. It would be Casey Kasem, Shadow Stevens, back to Casey Kasem, and now the new host Ryan Seacrest, who would end up hosting the top 40 pop hits and has been doing it since 2004 and is still doing it to this day, 2023. He has been hosting that show for 19 years. If you're wondering, that is more than Casey Kasem's first time around and much longer than Shadow Stevens ever did. So he is essentially on his way to be the longest running host of American Top 40. In addition, in 2004, after On Air with Ryan Seacrest, one year later, he would end up hosting not one, but two new shows, as he would end up filling in for Dick Clark for Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. He, Dick Clark was still alive and still present, but essentially, Ryan Seacrest was groomed to be the heir to the throne for New Year's Rockin' Eve come ABC. And therefore, as you may have guessed, he ends up becoming the host of New Year's Rockin' Eve from 2005 onwards to 2013, becoming the longest running thing, meaning he's not only replaced the great Casey Kasem, he's also took over the great Dick Clark. Also, at that same time in the holiday season, 
The Walt Disney World Christmas Day Parade would make its debut and he would end up hosting it, which means he hosted not one but two shows during the holiday season. He would be there for you at Christmas and then you'll say hi to him again on New Year's. And he would keep doing this for a long, long time because as you know, he still is doing it. Of course, with the American Idol, he would end up sort of trying to figure out where to go in the 2000s. And this is where we start moving Seacrest because as Ryan Seacrest would end up being this big TV show guy and host all these TV shows, he would end up trying to figure out what to do. Now, 2009, Dick Clark's new crush with Ryan Seacrest becomes the new uh, theme song, a new, <laughs> new theme song, a new title. But in 2006, like one year after grabbing all of these shows, E would hire him to be the new face of E News as he would eventually say goodbye to On Air with Ryan Seacrest. That's right. On Air Ryan Seacrest only lasted one year because he just got so worked up with all these commitments, but he decided to do E News, which he was doing from 2006 to 2015. Going back to his old gig, kind of in the CNET era, but for E News, as he would be the face of almost every red carpet special that you could think of. I should really be playing a clip right now, but I don't know, know if we have one. Everybody, my name is Ryan Seacrest, the guy with the best job in Hollywood. This is E! Live from the red carpet. Welcome to Live from the Red Carpet. It is the Emmy Awards. This is the Golden Globe. Grammy Awards. The most famous red carpet of them all, the Oscars. Brian, it's our 10-year anniversary. On now, that we'll just say that's the clip. As we know, Ryan Seacrest would do a lot of the E! News and E! from the red carpet. He would host the Emmy Awards. But 2006 would be the year where, while doing American Idol, while doing the radio shows, being in the American Top 40, he would end up with a deal with E! and coming up with all sorts of television shows. Because around here is when he starts having his um, production company, shall we say. And there would be shows like Paradise City, which I believe was VH1, Crash My School, which was this, like, reality show on MTV where celebrities would crash schools, I guess. But what would end up being the big hit would be essentially him doing all sorts of many things. He would end up showing up for Super Bowl uh, 42 in 2008. He would host the Emmys in 2008. He would end up hosting the movie What is Sexy? Victoria's Secret. But it would be mostly his reality shows on E! that would end up growing his fortune, essentially. As he would end up having the clout as the American Idol guy, he would end up being an executive producer for all sorts of shows on E! This would include... Bromance. Which was, I think, an MTV show, which is a spinoff of The Hills with Brody Jenner. Mama's Boys, which aired on NBC, about a group of moms who have to find a perfect uh, date for their boy through Date My Mom, essentially. 
They had Denise Richards. It's complicated on E. Remember Denise Richards? There was Bank of Hollywood, which was a spin of Fortune the Million Pound Getaway that was a game show in the UK and only lasted two years. There was Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution. Remember Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution? The one where he was trying to get kids to not eat chicken nuggets by showing like, oh, look at the entrails, look at the pink slime, and then we add the breadcrumbs. Does anyone want to eat this? And the kids are like, yeah. It would also be the show that would bring turkey burgers into mainstream culture. But what would end up being the biggest show of his lineup would be one based on the life of one Robert Kardashian. That's right, folks. It is keeping up with the Kardashians. Woo! All right, we're ready. No, no, no. We're right here. The wind, you guys. Is this necessary? No change. Oh. Awful. No, that is not cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. I need someone to make me laugh. Where's Kim? Kim is always late. Oh. Here. Out of our way. Stop. Jealous. Stop. Enough. That's it. We're done. How do you feel about the Kardashians? Love them? Hate them? Well, there's no denying that Kim Kardashian is the big social media superstar that we all know and admire, I assume. I don't know. Miss Kim Kardashian West or whatever is her new name. We don't know. But the keeping up with the Kardashians, you can only blame one person, and that is Ryan Seacrest. So, yeah, it's Ryan Seacrest's fault that you have the Kardashians. You have Chloe. You have Chris. I guess Caitlyn Jenner. All of that being in the limelight in a reality show that would end up being the biggest reality show for about 14 or so years as you would literally watch Kim Kardashian grow from this somewhat high school graduate to having a Hulu show where they're still doing the same old shit. Yeah. Keeping Up with the Kardashians would end in 2001 in favor of a new show called simply The Kardashians. Now, the catch is that that show is, uh, well, actually still executive produced by Ryan Seacrest and still keeping up with the Kardashians. It's just now on Hulu and not E. But his reality shows would grow. There would be the dancing, Chloe and Lamar, remember? Chloe and Lamar, Lamar, it was the reality show with, with Lamar Odom. It, it, I wasn't the only one who watched it. I, I like NBA. I kid with Brad Garrett, that hilarious show with Brad Garrett, where I believe he kids, which is basically just kids say the darnest things with Brad Garrett. Uh, Melissa and Ty with Ty Biggs, married to Jonas. That was about uh, Kevin Jonas getting married. The Wanted Life, which was essentially about a, the Wanted. Remember the Wanted, that pop group. The Wanted. <sighs> okay, so it just keeps growing from there. From Montecito, How I Will Rock It, Mixology. How about I Want to Marry Harry? The Nickelodeon game show Webheads. Remember Webheads? Fashion Rocks. 
preach in Alabama. The Shaws of Sunset. Remember Shaws of Sunset? It lasted nine years. You have to remember Knock Knock Live, which was this one-off show where he would knock in people's doors and surprise them with gifts and surprises. How about Robin China? Remember Black China? Rob Kardashian? They, no? Okay. Shades of Blue. How about Sugar and Sparks? Life of Kylie. All right. Well, let's go back to 2013 because obviously we're going to try and highlight the game shows that he has hosted. He didn't host Webheads. That was a Nickelodeon game show based on hilarious viral videos where people fall down, go boom. But back in 2013, he tried his best to make a big time primetime game show in the form of the Million Second Quiz. See this chair? This is the Million Second Quiz money chair. When you're in it and answer simple questions, you make money, a lot of money. $10 a second, $36,000 an hour, $864,000 a day. You could win the biggest prize in game show history. Go to NBC.com or download the app now and play for a chance to be a contestant and you can get in that chair. NBC's The Million Second Quiz premieres Monday, September 9th, 8, 7 Central, live on NBC. Million Second Quiz would for lack of a better word, be very ambitious. It would be lasting essentially 10 days, which was a million seconds, with the goal being to try and get the biggest cash prize in game show history. There would be a few contestants that would end up being very famous, such as Brandon Blackwell, who would end up being on the chase. Of course, with $2.4 million being the real top prize because they couldn't figure it out, people were very confused early on by the rules because essentially it was who can make the highest score and only the top four would make it to the finals after the million second quiz ended, meaning that for most of the time it was just sort of a stalemate. And this would be a live show that would be on for 24-7 in an abandoned Mercedes-Benz parking garage. Now. I remember watching that show in 2013. It was right when I graduated from college. It was one of the first game shows that I remember watching and going, wow, that's real something. With the subway halfway home trailer thing and all sorts of ambitious uh, pop music, including Iconic Pops All Night. Now, the questions were great. Ryan Seacrest was a great quiz show host. The only problem was People were very confused because if you're watching the main show, they would have this sort of timer where every hundred seconds the points would double and then triple and they could double up and then back and double up and like double their rules where it'd be two points and four points if you get a question right. And when you watch the live show where it's 500 seconds and one point apiece, it just sort of just drags on. Of course, the questions would be in real time based on current events, which I thought was really ahead of its curve. And it had a giant hourglass, which was also kind of cool. But the ratings weren't really there. The numbers were dragging and dragging. And mostly the only time people actually were watching Million Second Quiz was, of course, the first episode and the final episode where you find out who wins the Million Second Quiz. It was supposed to be this part reality show, part game show, but I think they put too many cooks in making the format. And Ryan Seacrest, as great of a host as he was, and at the time, this was his big return to game show hosting, 
it really did nothing. This was 2013, and this would be the first snag in Ryan Seacrest's career. But it's okay though, because he had American Idol. Everything is great. Everything will be fine. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. Of course, as you know by now, it's not all fine. Because now we get to the big snag. You see, Million Second Quiz did flop. We'll just say it's a flop. I know, baby. I know the producers. They'll probably say it wasn't. It was a big hit, and all sorts of great ideas. But for the sake of this thing, we'll say it was a big blow to Ryan Seacrest as a host. He was Ryan Seacrest, the New Year's Countdown guy. Ryan Seacrest, American Top 40. Ryan Seacrest, American Idol, who is still doing American Idol on Fox, but they would be switching out people. Randy Jackson and Paula Abdul and Simon Cowell would now be people like Ellen DeGeneres and it'd be very weird because when people remember American Idol they think Randy Paula and Simon but with that trio kind of leaving there's really it's really hard to try and get people back into American Idol now you had Big people like Jennifer Hudson show up and, and win. You would have people like Jordan Sparks show up, Adam Lambert. Big names would end up being in the world of Idol. But the judges table would switch, essentially. As the judges would be Jennifer Lopez and Steven Tyler. And it would just end up being this sort of thing where the shows would end up Holding the plug. Essentially, Coca-Cola would stop throwing their sponsorship to Idol, and coincidentally, the show would end up losing its viewership season after season. As sometime in the late in the early 2010s, a new singing show would show up in the form of, you guessed it, The Voice. As The Voice would end up making its debut on NBC, the same network that got Million Second Quiz, mind you, that would be the big show that ends up putting NBC back on the map in terms of game shows. And for Fox, well, we have Idol, but we could just stop doing Idol in favor of this new show that's the big hit on ITV called The X Factor. So. Ironically enough, The X Factor would end up being the show that takes out American Idol. And this would have Simon Cowell. This would have Paula Abdul. It would eventually have Britney Spears, Demi Lovato. It would also have Steve Jones, Mario Lopez, and yes, in season two, Khloe Kardashian. The very Kardashian of which Ryan Seacrest helped make a superstar would end up hosting this show that would lead to his demise as a radio music singing competition host. And therefore, The X Factor would show up for two seasons and crash and burn, making American Idol obsolete. There would be no more American Idol. Ryan Seacrest in 2016 had no shows to host. He would end up having shows like 
Shades of Blue and Life of Kylie and Sugar and Sparks at the time. So it's it's not like he's out of money, but he has no hosting shows unless you count the radio. So now we end up having a little decision. As you know, American Idol would end up being gone. Fox would end up trying to have their big hits, and this would end up being all sorts of shows, such as The Four would end up being one, where they had a competition show. You even had, of course, X Factor's lasted two seasons, but nothing with the substance of American Idol. The only, the big time when a singing show would actually end up bringing a Fox back into airwaves, even though it wasn't ever at the height of popularity as American Idol, would of course be the mass singer hosted by Nick Cannon. Because that would end up being the singing show that Fox would end up putting its brand behind as mass singer would lead to mass dancer, which would lead to game of talents, which would lead to all sorts of guessing games like I can see your voice. And that is how Fox ended up having more music themed shows and revival of don't forget the lyrics and more. But with the success of The Voice being the big singing competition show, it is kind of end of the days for Fox in terms of a singing competition show. Sometimes they come and go and try it out, but they're gone. NBC has The Voice. And of course, they had American Song Contest. But we'll forget about that. So where would you go for American Idol? Well, it turns out after two years, American Idol will end up getting a reboot way back in 2018. That's right. Seacrest was out and Seacrest is back in. where superstars are born. But this time, we've got an all-new powerhouse panel leading the charge. American Idol is the original and the best. I feel really excited about this. Is it, though? Is, is it, though, Lionel Richie? Is it? So, yes. American Idol would return, but now the trio would end up being three new faces in the form of all musicians. That's right, we would end up with Lionel Richie, Katy Perry, who kissed a girl and liked it, and country music superstar Luke Bryan. And it's mostly because of, you know, The Voice had three music superstars, and we have to do the same over here. They, now, the difference between American Idol and The Voice is The Voice it's actually a team-based game show. It's kind of more like Shark Tank, as each of the coaches would be from a various genre of music. Rather, it's pop, rock, R&B, country, folk, I guess. And they would end up offering their perspective on how to turn these contestants into genre-defining pop superstars in their area of expertise. Now, that would be what a voice usually is. And there's a team-based element where I'm trying to get my person to win the show because then me, the superstar, wins. That's why we're coaches and not judges. The judges barely eliminate a contestant other than in the knockout rounds. Otherwise, it's all in the hands of the audience, just like American Idol. But American Idol, it is 
judges. They will say, yes, no, you're going to Hollywood. In fact, American Idol was so popular at one point that Disney World had an American Idol experience, and this was before Disneyland. This was before the ABC sponsorship. This was the Fox era where you would play American Idol in Walt Disney World with the winner getting a fast pass out of the audition line so you could end up on the real American Idol show. I don't know how many of those ended up actually using it, winning it, because right around the time of that was the last season of that version of Idol and that would end up crashing and burning. But this version has Katy Perry! who got paid millions and millions and millions of dollars just to sit there and listen to some person go, do you believe in life after love? Of course I can't sing, but maybe those people do. Ryan Seacrest would still end up hosting the show, but at one point he would end up sitting out of a lot of those sideways, how do you do happy things that made him the ideal face of American Idol in favor of Bobby Bones, this other DJ in Southern California, who was also famous for pop tunes, but he would eventually leave the show in that post-COVID weird era that we have now. American Idol is still on the air, with Ryan Seacrest still hosting it. I know, shocking. He's also still doing the New Year's show. He's still doing the Christmas parade. And yes, he's still doing the Kardashians. But he has another talk show because you see, he did ABC. As he is the face of American Idol on ABC, it gives him a little bit of a twist. Now you see, He's already in the ABC library. He does the Walt Disney World Parade for ABC. He does the New Year's Rockin' Eve, the Dick Clark Rockin' Eve for ABC. American Idol is on ABC, but he also got a show in 2017. As you see, he replaced another iconic host. You see, for a while, Kelly Ripa had all sorts of hosts. When people think of the live with Regis and Kathy Lee, it would end up being live with Regis after Kathy Lee leaves to do the day show. Then it would be Regis and Kelly Ripa. But then Kelly Ripa would have Michael Strahan. But then Michael Strahan would leave in 2016 to do Good Morning America and $100,000 Pyramid and Fox NFL which means he had to get a new show and a new host. And in 2017, that meant one face and one face only. And you can guess it by now, that's right. First episode of Live with Kelly and Ryan. This is it. Is your mic on? Don't answer me. I'm so excited for you. Are you nervous? Don't be nervous, you look great. Okay, here we go. Let's do this. Now, here are Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest. So happy, so excited.
right. Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest would end up having a daytime talk show. It would be almost 10 years to the date of On Air with Ryan Seacrest on Fox, his first daytime talk show. But now, because of iHeartRadio commitments, American Idol surging, and now Ryan Seacrest, he would end up being the new face of Live with Kelly and Ryan Seacrest. And Ryan Seacrest would end up having one of the weirdest times. Because you see, Seacrest isn't from New York and the show films in New York. He's a Southern California guy. He's headquartered in Los Angeles. He's Hollywood royalty at this point, Seacrest. So for him to host a daytime talk show with Kelly Ripa, he basically has to record two episodes a day in New York, fly back to Los Angeles to take a break, and then fly back on a Wednesday, Thursday to film the rest of the episode. So a lot of the episodes that you see would have that sort of David Letterman Friday show vibe where it's very nonspecific what happened in the news, but you kind of know better. As he would host this daytime talk show with Kelly. Of course, in 2023, this year exactly, Ryan Seacrest would announce his exit from live with Kelly and Ryan. And I think we have a, a clip of that, actually. Can we get the clip? Let's get that clip. Ryan Seacrest will get to sleep in a little longer soon as he announced today. I have been talking about for a long time, and it, it was a tough, tough decision. But don't expect a long, drawn-out... With Kel here on Live with Kelly and Ryan. Wow, I, I screwed this up. Which is bittersweet. After six years on the top-rated morning talk show, Ryan Seacrest is saying goodbye. This is something that... Uh, well, thank you for that inside edition. That's exactly the kind of clip I was looking for instead of just the actual clip itself. I guess that's good. Good enough? Are we okay with that, folks? I would. I think we'll just get the CNN clip of saying his goodbye. Because I think that as long as I made the decision to make this my last season as co-host with Kel here on Live with Kelly and Ryan, which is bittersweet. Sure, thank you, CNN, for doing that sort of now this sort of texting. Anyway. So Ryan Seacrest leaves live with Kelly and Ryan. Well, so now it's live with Kelly. But as he departs from that show in 2023, he isn't really gone. As Kelly Ripa would end up hosting the show with, well, Mark Consuelos, um, the husband of Kelly Ripa. So Kelly and Mark a married couple are now hosting the talk show and truth be told it's a much better show i'm not kidding it kelly and mark obviously they're a couple but it's a perfect kind of talk show with a married couple it's a very lively show now i'm not saying kelly and ryan were different and oh my god everything it's a new yorker and an la kind of thing and the more you watch that show the more you see they don't really connect because one's talking about running and Hollywood Hills and the other ones talking about walking their dog in the park in New York. It, it just doesn't click. So even though Ryan Seacrest would depart from uh, Live with Kelly and Mark, 
it's not the end of the Seacrest story. Now, most people would think, okay, Seacrest is leaving. What does he have lined up on his sleeve? Technically speaking, nobody knew, and I am not going to be the one to say, well, I knew all along it would happen. But months after the Ryan Seacrest leave of uh, Live with Kelly and Ryan, another department would happen in the form of Pat Sajak leaving Wheel of Fortune. Uh, in a special response, Pat Sajak announced on Twitter he is leaving Wheel. In this special uh, tweet, let's read it. Let's leave that magic tweet again. We. <clears throat> Give me that tweet. Well, the time has come. I've decided that our 41st season, which begins in September, will be my last. It's been a wonderful ride, and I'll be more to say in the coming months. Many thanks to you all. If nothing else, it'll keep the clickbait sites busy. Now, this is what would end up starting the Wheel of Fortune debacle, because Pat Sajak, they're still technically in season 40, season XL, and we still don't know who the host is. So for a good month or so, we ended up with who should host Wheel of Fortune? But the long-standing rumor, pretty much since Pat announces I'm leaving one more season, has been Ryan Seacrest. That was a rumor mill though. But people think, oh, maybe it's Whoopi Goldberg. Maybe it's going to be so-and-so. And all the game show fandom wanting to come up with their new host. But it ended up being Brian Seacrest. Now, Wheel of Fortune on Twitter actually ended up having a first message of Ryan Seacrest uh, talking about his new deal. So if I can read that Wheel of Fortune message, <clears throat> here it is. Oh, wow, it's... All right, Ryan Seacrest will host Welcome Ryan. I am truly humbled to be stepping into the footsteps of the legendary Pat Sajak. I can say, along with the rest of America, that it's been a privilege and pure joy to watch Pat and Vanna on our television screens for an unprecedented 40 years, making us smile every night and feel right at home with them. Pat, I love the way you've always celebrated the contestants and made viewers at home feel at ease. I look forward to learning everything I can from you during this transition. Many people probably don't know this, but one of my first jobs was hosting a little game show called Click for Merv Griffin 25 years ago, so this is truly a full circle moment for me and I'm grateful for Sony for the opportunity. I can't wait to continue the tradition of spinning the wheel and working alongside the great Vanna White, Ryan Seacrest course uh i've already talked about click that was the beginning of this podcast episode so ryan seacrest would end up being the host of wheel of fortune at least as of this recording if something happens to ryan seacrest's health or there's a mike richards moment that happens then there'll be somebody else but for now we'll say it's ryan seacrest and he's going to host wheel of fortune obviously this was a play by Sony because they didn't want to have that sort of Jeopardy moment where let's go have some trials of hosts with Alex Trebek because he's dead to figure out who should host it. And then it's Mike Richards. And then Mike Richards says something stupid. And then we end up getting this weird split up between Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings. And no one's ever happy. But making it Seacrest, it is a logical choice. 
So now everyone in the game show world is trying to come up with this sort of, well, what's the thought? Well, this is boring. It's a boring pig. It's a safe pig. Well, no kidding. When you consider Ryan Seacrest's legacy in broadcasting, it is almost the ideal choice if you want to make the safest bet that will end up getting the viewership eyeballs, get old people happy, young people happy, and keep going. Because Ryan Seacrest has become the Dick Clark. He's become Casey Kasem. He has become Pat Sajak. He is now the, I hate to say the replacement, but he's basically the transition host for all sorts of things. He has become Mr. Entertainment for that reason. Will Ryan Seacrest be a good host for Wheel of Fortune? Who knows? But here's the thing. Ryan Seacrest has hosted a quiz show. He has hosted an animal game show. He has hosted a show where people are on bikes. He hosted a show where people answer questions sitting in a chair. He hosts all sorts of game shows. If there's one thing he kind of knows about, especially in the world of American Idol, it is hosting. In the world of producing, he knows how to build drama and stakes as a longtime producer of the Kardashians. So he already has multiple generations who know who he is and won't be so offended that it's somebody else. When it comes to a casting decision, if it was anybody else, literally anybody else, if it was a stand-up comedian, if it was a no-name, if it was me, people on the internet will be screaming, no, why, ugh. By having it be Seacrest, the only people who are sickened and upset are people who want something different. But unfortunately, you can't get something different. Who would host a show in Wheel of Fortune where the whole premise is hangman and spinning a wheel and calling a letter. Obviously, you can get just about anybody. But why get just about anybody when you could get the biggest name in hosting to host your show? And I mean the big name now, Ryan Seacrest. This is perfect for Seacrest. This is perfect for Wheel of Fortune. As Wheel of Fortune films about five episodes a day, and they film about 35 days a year, this is perfect for his time as he needs to do a radio show, as he does another radio show, as he does a production house, as he does five other shows in the lifetime we don't even know about at this point. That for Seacrest, he can do American Idol, he can do his radio show, and he can still do Wheel of Fortune because he just has to show up on a Saturday every so often or a Tuesday every so often, film those shows, and he's done. So he could theoretically finish up a whole season of Wheel of Fortune in 35 days and be okay. It's not like Jeopardy where you need a huge writing staff. You just need to figure out good theme weeks, great casting opportunities, and ways to reinvent the wheel, pun intended, but also how it works. By having Seacrest around, maybe it will modernize the show a bit. Maybe it will update the graphic package. Maybe it'll update the set just a little bit. Maybe the puzzles will end up being Tom Holland as Spider-Man instead of Adam West as Batman. Truth be told, Brian Seacrest has had hits, he's had misses. So it's very 
it's very obvious people will go, well, I don't know. But I personally think he'll do a great job on Wheel of Fortune. I think he's a likable guy. It, he really does have that sort of, I want to get to know everybody attempt. Even though he is the biggest name in Hollywood, he has done red carpet awards. He has created the Kardashians. The one thing that has made him this television success has been his hosting personality. He has this ability to try and talk to the audience at home, the same way he would talk to the contestants in the studio, and the same way that he can gravitate his listeners on his radio show. He has that sort of appeal that actually makes it worthwhile to listen and watch. So for Ryan Seacrest, the guy who would end up in audition lines and get to know all of these aspiring musicians, even today with the modern day idol, even though it's Bobby Bones, he still does that on occasion. He still wants to get to know the contestants. That he actually still has that genuine sensation, even though you would assume because of all of the fame, all of the fortune that he has had, it would get to his head. But Seacrest is still Seacrest. And I think that is the appeal of Seacrest going into this. My whole premise of this podcast episode was to get to know Ryan Seacrest through his entire history of television and radio and the shows he's done. But it's pretty much common that, like anyone else, he's just a guy who's just a host. He just had a few strings of great opportunities. Yes, he hosted Click, one of the last Merv Griffin game shows, which makes him a perfect ideal person for a Wheel of Fortune in our Merv Griffin property. But also, he has a production house. He has Idol. He has all of these little areas where he's known outside of the world of game shows. So why get Mike Richards a producer game show host when you could get Ryan Seacrest the ultimate producer game show host? That is my final uh, thought on this. Seacrest is a great get. Seacrest is a perfect branding for a Wheel of Fortune, the fame and fortune-y kind of branding of Wheel of Fortune. Perfect casting choice. My final question, and this is just talking out loud. How long will Ryan Seacrest have? How long would Ryan Seacrest want to have Wheel of Fortune? As he did live with Kelly and Ryan, it was only for a few years, like about eight. So are we expecting Ryan Seacrest to have this show forever and be like Drew Carey? Or is he gonna be here for five, six seasons and then bow out and we have to go on the quest for the next host yet again. That is my big worry when it comes to something like Wheel of Fortune because overall you want to have somebody that has lasting power and Ryan Seacrest has lasting power. He's done New Year's Rock and Eve. He has done the Disney stuff. He's still the idol guy. He has lasting power. It's just Seacrest's choice if he wants to stay on Wheel. Hopefully that's the case, but I wouldn't be surprised if in 2030 or 2032, way when I'm in my 40s, I hear Ryan Seacrest is leaving American Idol. He's leaving Wheel of Fortune. 
he's semi-retired now because he's now in his 60s. Like, it's gonna be something like that. So, I think it's a great choice. I think Ryan Seacrest will do a great job, but we also can't get too far ahead of ourselves. This is still Pat Sajak's goodbye season on Wheel of Fortune. But if you just wanna say, get out of here, Pat, I wanna welcome Seacrest, I ain't stopping you. In fact, why not? Why not celebrate Seacrest coming to Wheel? That would be a lot of fun. And because it's gonna take a year, he has some time to figure out the gameplay, figure out the rules. So he's not so cold in the first few episodes. But I don't think that's gonna be the case. He has a lot of hosting in his belt. He might be a great host. So that is the big conclusion here. Ryan Seacrest, a man of many talents, but the one question still remains is can he host a game show? I think so. That's why we did 90 minutes talking about Seacrest. This was, of course, a rare episode of Game, sh of game Shows, I suppose, but actually a podcast with Jordan Haas because he's a talk show host as well. He's a TV show producer as well. He has all of these little nooks and crannies under his belt. And Seacrest, if you're listening to this, I think you're great. I think you're wonderful. Don't make a reality show about me. Seriously, don't but gladly continue hosting because you are one of the last great game show hosts we have. And that's why I'm okay with him hosting Wheel of Fortune. And that's why I think we can all just have a peaceful good night's sleep and wait for the internet to go. Did you know Ryan Seacrest brought the Kardashians? Did you know Ryan Seacrest enabled Black China? Did you know Ryan Seacrest had a reality show where the, did you know Ryan Seacrest once said this about a fat contestant? Did you know Ryan Se? We're gonna have all of those things between now and when he hosts Wheel of Fortune. So we'll buckle up for the ride and we'll have a good time. This is the conclusion of the episode i hope you had fun i hope you have a good night we'll see you again soon when i have free time to end our show let's see here let's end with um will be a will be a weird ending theme i don't I don't know. Uh, Post-production, give me an ending theme. We'll see you again soon. Jordan Haas, signing off. Seacrest, out. <laughs>